Okay, we're back this time. Now yeah, we're, we're live. The best two minutes of our entire <laughs> podcasting career went just right down the shitter right there. Tell me I just spent a, a few <laughs> minutes waxing poetic about uh, this podcast and uh, or this particular episode, and uh, it, I had not hit the record button. Uh, Sorry, son of a you missed the magic, everyone. You can it. never return. Oh, now I got the blues. Well, okay, so we're so one thing is we're doing. Um, a pretty rare, like, one offer here. I think the only time we've ever done an episode based on one film alone was uh, yeah. episode three or four, Petrified Forest. Yeah, yeah. Well, although, although, if if you'll recall, we had two in the we had two in the can for that That's one. Right. We just ended up talking about the you one. I just started jacking up so heavily to Petrified uh, Forest. It was it was a it was a master it was yeah. a masturbation fest. Okay, and so, fuck on that line. That was a great episode. <laughs> so what, one of the things, just I mean, we can't recreate that the minutes we lost here a few minutes ago. Right. But one of the things that that we were sort of just to, to summarize here saying is that the film we're about to talk about. Um, is a film that men are more likely to love than women. Women are it's, less likely to appreciate it's it. Like, it's like it's like the opposite of Twilight, right? Women uh, women could give a shit less about this thing, and men yeah. men love it, right? And it's the opposite. Not to under- without even like the sexy the, the sexy like goth chick thing. There's not even that in this though for women to get into. Not to undercut your point, Tom, which is a good one, mm-hmm. but to underscore what an old fuck you are, as I am, yes. you might as well have said. Kids don't appreciate Hendrix. They're into this Nirvana stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I guess it is that old. All right. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what fucking. Ah, I, yeah, I, I, don't I don't know, know. what fucking. I'm ah. so fucking past relevant and so past caring about it yeah. at this point. So, anyways, so yes. the film we are talking about is uh, The Great Escape, Great 1963, Escape. which is. Um, I mean, look, The Great Escape, the first time I saw it, I saw it with your dad, and he, mm-hmm. he recorded it. It was a, a 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. showing, oh, and no. um, I don't know if I'd ever stayed up that late, frankly, and, really? and it was um, just, I, I couldn't get over. How good I it could was. not yeah. get over how good it was, and somehow how relevant to my life mm-hmm. it was, the mm-hmm. story of... These several hundred um, World War II aviators, aviators mostly um, British, mostly um, some Aussies, some mm-hmm. Americans, which turns out was totally inaccurate yeah. to the real story. Mm-hmm. Um, how important it was! I remember even in seventh grade when I joined the drama club, um, there was a, a kind of an abusive situation with the drama club in junior mm-hmm. high, and that if you joined, if you were in seventh grade and you joined, you could just be basically hazed. By the eighth graders who were like the officers. Oh, really? Like, here's a caramel apple. Oh, it's an onion. Finish it. Finish it. <laughs> really? And it culminated. It's like a, a nerd's getting revenge on their un, on lesser nerds. Oh, of course. Yeah. I ended up doing the same thing the next year. But, of course. But um, it, it ended in like a, a talent show, mm-hmm. and the talent you'd have to get up and, and perform like a dialogue or a monologue, and then and then eventually be you'd be gonged off. Mm-hmm. So I got together with my friend Tommy Tw- uh, Fuentes, and I introduced him to the Great Escape. And so we wrote down on lo- yellow legal pads a conversation between Richard Attenborough and Steve McQueen because uh-huh. that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and he's like, this doesn't make any sense. No one's going to know what you're talking about. And I was like, don't worry. We'll just do a little bit of The Great Escape. It'll be the yeah. greatest experience of okay, our now, lives. Now, now Tom sits here and posits, is this going to go to- horribly or well? I don't know. Well, what happened was I'm I intrigued. said, don't worry, because um, no one will know. You're right. No one will know what we're talking about. Well, you and I will have the most amazing experience ever, which is reciting lines from The Great Escape, uh-huh, Tom Fuentes. Mm-hmm. And they'll gong us off. Right. 
And we were on stage, and, and those assholes caught on to what we're doing, and they refused to gong us. They just kept asking us to do it over and over again. <laughs> so in a way, my whole life was an attempt at a great escape, an escape from the bullies at school, Teenage et cetera. boys cunts, every one of them. Fucking <laughs> they really them. are. They really are. God, the great escape is just, I mean... It's so great, and it's a film that um, so escapey. It's, it's so, so escapey. It's so tunnely. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude. Okay. Yeah, first off, it's wall to wall cool actors, not just good okay. actors, but fucking cool. All actors. right, let's start naming them. more or less in their prime. Charles Bronson. You got Charles Bronson, who in in his um, early approaching mid career, been in movies for like maybe ten years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charles Bronson. You got Steve McQueen, of course. I mean, the yeah. Steve McQueen. Richard Attenborough. You got Richard Attenborough. You got Charles, James Coburn. Like fucking James Garner, for God's sakes, oh, man. Oh, you know, you know what I think of James <laughs> Garner. I really hate James Garner, but I have to say, but he's in good this, in this movie, film, isn't he? he is good. I want it to be James Garner, the scrounger. Yeah. You got Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance at his at his second be- <laughs> in his second best movie role. First, of course, Escape from New York. You got James Donald, who who was the the doctor in uh, Bridge in the River. Quite madness, madness. 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 Yeah. Um, hmm? yeah, I mean, you just have so many great actors here, an ensemble cast. Yep. And somehow they make it work. You know, McQueen is is just off the success a couple of years earlier in, um, in the Magnificent Seven. He'd been he'd replaced Sammy Davis Jr. when Sinatra was mad at him in 1959's Never So Few. Oh right, okay. Um, Sinatra fired Sammy Davis and gave. I his, was going to say I thought you were going to say DJ, Sammy Davis Jr. had been initially slated for the Magnificent Seven. Oh, that would have been, been a great, great, totally different movie. Distract, throw your Come eyeball on, into the gosh, wire and distract him. So so um and and he'd gone he'd he'd done the Magnificent Seven in 1960 and then like a total um you know. Steve McQueen asshole had gone, had decided for three years he wasn't going to act and he was instead going to become a motocross racer. Did you know this about him? Well, there was a three-year period of his I, life. I think, I think he thought about being a cobbler for a little while, but he ended up in motocross. Fucking <laughs> 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 motorcycle racer. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so you know, this book, the, it's, a, it's a film that almost um, didn't get made for numerous reasons. You have like John Sturgis, who, who had previously done films like Bad Day at Black Rock mm-hmm. um, and The Magnificent Seven. Yep. Um, so he had this the street cred, but it's a book that no one wanted to do, and and, and it was a book written um, by I'm sorry, it's a movie no one wanted to do, but the book was written by Paul Brickhill, and okay. Paul Brickhill basically, um, you know, survived the whole sort of uh, POW camp. I think it's he called, was oh, so he was in the camp itself. Yeah, he didn't escape, and he he ended right. up just sort of surviving the experience. And the, sure. the camp was Luft Three, I Luft guess, three, yeah. which was out like about 100 miles outside of Berlin. Mm-hmm. This um, sort of um, perfect scenario where to escape it would be meaningless because you'd have all these. So where the of, fuck are you going to go, Berlin? Where are you going to go? Um, and, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so John, and it was a Luftwaffe camp. I mean, it was run by the uh, the German Air Force. Well, and so, so which it, made it like better living conditions of in course. general. And the Luftwaffe still had a boner for gentlemanly combat. You sort of right, even and, that late into the war. Yeah, I mean, even the the airmen, the POWs themselves reported the real ones reported that it was like, um, what did I hear? Um, Nazi light. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. These are the guys who were who had Nazi badges, but uh, but pretended. Yeah, pretended they were above it all. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so Sturgis reads this book and he's like, I want to do this. It's a perfect Sturgis type film. Sure. And um, he he brings it to Metro Golden Mayor, who he's still sort of working at the last of his contract with. Mm-hmm. And Louis B. Mayer doesn't want to do it. He's like, this seems like a snooze fest. It seems too complicated. Mm-hmm. No one's going to want to do it. 
Really? So he gets a hold of United Artists when he's out of his contract, and, and they agree to do it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they do is to go um, out near the deserts, near Palm Springs and Idlewild. And like, this would be the perfect place to recreate <laughs> the camp. Right, right, right. And they were all set to, to start, like, you know, mm-hmm. po- uh, pre-production and, and you know, um, making the camp and so forth. Mm-hmm. And the fucking Actors Guild said, you can't employ local Palm Springs non-actors to play um, yeah, extras. Really? And and Serge is like, well, this is going to cost a fucking bundle. So they ended up going to, like, not far from the actual site. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay, and that's what I heard. It. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool, okay. Yeah. Right, because you can get a bunch of Germans and fuck, you know, screw, screw that. To guilt them into playing extras in yeah. films that portray them as assholes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can do this. So Eventually you'll become Clink and, and, and fucking, what's his name, Sergeant Schultz? Yeah, oh, kind of God. interesting. You know, you, you and I had, had uh, I think we still want to do that episode of, of um, John Huston's three war documentaries, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, Captain um, Sturgis during World War II um, made one... Um, military documentary called Spitfire, I think it was called. Really? Something like that. Okay. But it was actually about, oh, no, Thunderbolt. Mm. It's not even close. Okay. But it was about. Yeah, um, it was a warplane, it was an allied War, okay. yeah. Really pilots in World War II. Uh-huh. And he had this sort of innovative technique of, of putting like what now would be par for the course for like reality TV shows with anyone driving in a car. But mm-hmm. it's like camera pointing out from the, the plane dash toward the. The pilot, one in the back, uh, looking okay. looking forward as he's looking, one in the <laughs> wing, one. Like, four trying to cameras. picture like a, like a 1940s GoPro. He probably killed several pilots with all the extra weight <laughs> of the cameras, but he got some goddamn good footage. And that's what that's what counts. <laughs> it is what counts. Very important. Yeah, so I mean, there's this sort of it, it becomes a, a passion play, a passion for this guy sure, Sturgis, <laughs> um, and the rebuilding of the camp to, to the perfect specifications. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, really. I mean, just the story of the making of it is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought before you and I, you know, go on and talk about our perspectives of the film itself, I found this really interesting clip. Um, it's about a minute, minute long. It's a little muddy, so I apologize if, if, if the audio quality is low, but um, it's John Sturgis sort of talking about a certain aspect of um, of making The Great Escape. All right, bring it on, Dan. Well, let me, I'm going to have to switch the, our low-tech microphone over, so you say something interesting. <laughs> this is basically, the, this, this is a very 70s moment. It's a, you're like that far away from holding one of those old black tape decks up to, up to a, a stereo <laughs> right here, basically. the fuck out of here yeah Look, i disagree I, with that one thing well that it's too long but i don't well first off how you know what I, I here's the thing i've seen this movie a couple of dozen times i oh, want to yeah. say in my life yep. i have no idea how long it is because it's that's never mattered to me no it because really, it really is a it's a it's a movie that just holds you 
as you watch it. It absolutely holds. So you. how how long is this fucking thing? You're the one with the computer in front of it. I don't know, and I, I refuse to look it up. I think it's I think it's about two hours and forty minutes. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's not half an hour I've too seen, long. I've seen hour. <laughs> it is. But I've seen half an hour. I've seen hour long movies that were that seemed longer than this one did. Oh, that's. I think we've reviewed a couple of them on this this yeah, uh, really. podcast. Yeah, seems a fair bet, but no, no, it's fucking yeah. now. Yeah, I'm gonna all right. So, so look, I mean, we, we've we've done all this sort of. Yeah, fuck you! This masterpiece is too long. <laughs> no, this Picasso is using too many blue tones in this bit. No, fuck off! Exactly, Mister Sir. Just go fuck yourself from the yeah, grave. You and your ideas about your own. <laughs> we film. don't like your ideas. The art sir. you claim to have made. All right. Yeah. Well, so I mean, we've we've sort of talked around this film, and I think that's how much we love this film is. Uh, I, you and I just sort of assume, well, everyone knows The Great Escape, right? right, right. So maybe we should backtrack. It's, okay. it's, it's a film about, um, as we mentioned earlier, Air, um, British mainly, airmen, mm-hmm. um, who are... Um, the real airmen, by the way, were typically shot down over like Tunisia and places like that and brought here oh, to this particular... Right? So these were like people in the African campaign as airmen. Oh, okay. Okay, but anyway, so, so they're brought to this... Um, this place where supposedly it's like all the rotten eggs are put into one right. it's basket. It's next to Berlin. There's no point in escaping it. They try to make it as full of, as escape proof as they possibly can. They get all their best escape artists from yep. all the camps. They put them all in this one place. Yep. And this madman comes along and has one, one of the one of the prisoners comes along. He's a, he's a leader at, at at recent other camps. Yep. And he comes along with the magical idea of let's well fuck them. Let's let's re- let's jam it up their ass. Yep. And get as many people out of here as we possibly can. Let's get a hundred fucking people. So you have an early to escape from this thing. An early scene in this film where before this guy you're talking about arrives in the camp, he's sort mm-hmm. of a little bit late to the party. The German commandant is telling um, the highest ranking officer of, of these prisoners. Right. He's doing a review of their files. All these rotten eggs and so and so seventeen uh, escape attempted attempts. escapes. Yeah, and two on the way here. Yeah, yeah, and and it's there's a, a great scene where like as they're being let in, they're trying to sneak um, across back through the wire mm-hmm. in trucks full of like trees yeah. and as disguised Whatever as way Russian they, prisoners. Yeah, right, right, right. So it's, it's immediately given to you like that it's a very serious business to sort of escape. It's your duty to confound and right. harass the enemy, that which is. is a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then the guy you're talking about, um, Herr Bartlett, um, like, Major Bartlett, I guess. Um, shows, yeah, he's a major, right. Showed, uh, shows up. It's played by Richard Attenborough yeah. and he's like, great. Oh, yes, we've, we've heard this. Uh, yes, sir. And now let me tell you all Exactly what Tom said. Let's get a fucking real escape going. Here. Yeah, let's get let's get two hundred men. Let's get as many men as we can out of here. Two hundred men just walking down the road. That's crazy. Oh man, just fuck. Yeah, I love this guy definitely. It's a great. Anyways, movie. it's just uh, so it's uh, you know he's and he's at his best. And the reason he's late is because he's been leading other escape attempts. Yep. The the Nazis have a severe interest in his ass, mm-hmm. and they beat the shit out of him basically. So yeah. Uh, so 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 he appears late, and he he comes up with the idea. Let's build these. Let's build big fucking tunnels. Let's make. Let's make. Let's have three of them going at the same time. In, right. in the real situation, there were three tunnels, Tom, Dick, and Harry. These three tunnels right. that led out in different directions past mm-hmm. the wire. Right. Because if they went down 30 feet, first of all, mm-hmm. deeper so, than they would uh, usually go. They had to avoid sound detectors because, again, the Germans were trying to Which make this an escape-proof prison. Nothing like anyone had ever done before. Tunnels mm-hmm. were like eight-foot tunnels. You know, like yeah. you just sort of escaped. Right. I mean, aside from one of the greatest television shows of all time, and I'm talking about Hogan's Heroes, well, of course. Yes. 
Oh, to be in on that pitch session. You lifted a coffee pot and the table sort of swung <laughs> open. And you, you stepped down some stairs that had chandeliers like, in the basement. It's got funny Nazis. How can you not, how can this not win? But so it was a whole new thing. And it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's do three of them at once in case they discover a tunnel. Right. We can just move ahead with another one. Mm-hmm. And also it had the, the double sort of security. If they find a tunnel, they think that they, they really the shut you down. Right, right. Meanwhile, you're just distracting them with that tunnel. Right, right. And, and, but, and that's, again, it follows the real life story that actually happened. Mm-hmm. In that, in the real life story, they did find one of the tunnels. The same thing happens in this movie. I saw um, a, a documentary about um, a, an organization that went back and took some of the POWs who were still alive to actually, like with backhoes to that area, and really? actually uncover the real tunnels. No shit. Yeah. That'd be fucking these great. These guys are standing, these British guys, like, oh, I say, I haven't seen that old old Betty in a while. <laughs> That's fucking great. Yeah, fuck you, El Chapo. You don't know about tunnels. <laughs> yeah, what do fuck. You know? What do you yeah. know? You got one fat Mexican out. We got fell to you, motherfucker. We, we, we got, we're going to get 300 fucking Cornishmen out into Germany. <laughs> so we have all these great characters. And of course, Bartlett, Richard Attenborough is one. He's the master behind, mastermind behind this whole plan. Mm-hmm. And Charles Bronson is the the, the tunnel king. And right. he's a guy. He's, he's a, a Polish. He's a Polish uh, yep. expatriate. When the war broke out. I was in the little room. Oh, good. Good God, those are bad Bronson impersonations. Yes, was, there was, no, they're, they're, those are good. Those are good impressions of Bronson doing bad Polish impressions. If anyone rapes my wife nine years from now, I'm going to oh, seek justice. It's going to be a great couple of movies. I hope they don't point. have a death wish. So <laughs> oh, he's, he's not only the Tunnel King; he's he's dug 17 tunnels um, uh, previously, which means, of course, ultimately 17 failures because either he's mm, caught digging them or returned to some sort of camp. But also, what comes out is that he's, he's claustrophobic. It's terrified of the tunnels. Terrified of tunnels and small spaces. Mm, so that makes himself do it by sheer force of will. It's fucking Paul's. He has a you. best a best friend Willie who. Um, that's that's a, his prison. Uh, that, come on, a that's bit his of prison, a darling. With you know, it's all right. Sexually, yeah, they, they've been in the they've been in the they've been in the pokey. Yeah, how could you not pokey the some pokey? Pokey, got yeah. it. Um, so, so that's the, the, the sort of the one area. And then you have the, the two Americans. And so um, Steve McQueen is the one cool a, cat American. Yeah, Steve McQueen is fucking Steve McQueen <laughs> again. Cool and another goddamn goddamn movie. I'm fucking, I'm sorry, you guys can do your little escape thing. I'm going to be over here being fucking rad. Yeah. That's what that's Eventually what I'll be in on it, but in the meantime, I'm still man, fucking over everything. Man. I'm set to study hall every <laughs> two weeks. This, you know, like what is isolation? The yeah, cooler. The fucking cooler. He's the cooler king. They call him the cooler king. They yes. call him the cooler king, baby. Right. And he he befriends now. Now Charles Bronson has that sort of strange, slightly homoerotic relationship with that twink um, mm, Willie. Definitely a twink. But now Steve McQueen has an interesting relationship with a three foot nothing um, <laughs> Scottish. Yeah, well, let's see. Kid is going crazy. We're talking about like prison bottoms. This guy has to be the most frightful you could imagine. Yeah, it's oh, it'd be like Winnie the Pooh. Just but rah. but he takes him under his Steve McQueenie wing. Yeah, and it's absolutely. it's a, it's, a, it's a, a fun and lovely relationship that yeah, they have. Absolutely. But the guy, of course, is unfortunately coming a little unglued, having been in prison as long as he has, and tried to escape as many times as he has unsuccessfully. So you know what? Fuck me. I, I got to tell you, I've been watching this movie so many years and started on it so early and have loved it so long. I can't believe that something so obvious has never really occurred to me until I started doing a podcast. <laughs> James Garner, 
who will talk about what his role is, but he has an interesting sort of like um, take. He takes Donald Pleasance under his wing. Well, it's fucking Americans, man. We got to nurture these British. I guess that's it. The Americans were never actually in the camp Mm -hmm. who John Sturgis (laughs) sort of invented, according to my research, to to market it to America. There were three Americans. There there was one of them who was allowed to be a dark. Yeah, but there were three Americans Mm -hmm. in this camp, and there were never any Americans in the real camp. Yeah. Um, but John Sturr just put him in for marketing purposes. Yeah, absolutely. So James Gardner. Okay, can you imagine like sitting down at that fucking table? Okay, Mr. McQueen, we're going to need you to do an accent. Get the fuck out of here. We need mm. it for the movie. All right, so yeah. boom, we got Americans in the camp. That's, I guess you're that's right. That's how that comes out. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, tell me, did they need him for the movie? He he wasn't even the starring role in The Magnificent Seven, and I don't know that he even came out necessarily on top. But it was when, a real strong ensemble cast. But when people watch this movie, what's the scene they remember? In retrospect, but you're you're theorizing about them needing him. I'm just making a small comment. Did they I need him? I think they needed him. him. Yeah, I think they needed him. He was because because everybody else had a certain marquee value, but he had yeah. the marquee value okay. of that whole crew. All right. So so then we have James Garner who, who plays like the scrounger and it's like the con the camp con man right essentially he can right. lift any wallet to you know steal any you know kp package right. kp package that's uh, not right yeah sure can, no uh, no can, no uh, uh, american red cross ra- ra- rations you okay. can get a hold of rations put yep. it that way yeah well so, uh, all kinds of all manner of stuff, including, camp like that. including no less than von lugas bata von lugas bata so anyway von lugas bata and uh, and Donald Pleasance is this delightful role as the forger. His yes. expertise is forging documents. Well, he's a photo- he's a photo- he's a photography expert. Was like a bird watcher. Got pulled in as yep. a as an observer during a, you know for overflights of Germany. Yep. Got shot down and yep. boom, here he is. He's got Satisfying. a steady hand. Yeah. Steady hand and great eyes. Yeah, well, that's the part because then because that's what happens in this movie. Little things fall apart mm. for individual characters in there, and you feel for them. I don't know yep. if I've ever seen a portion. Of, okay, so the little Scottish guy, yep. he gets he gets God. All right, but I he, don't goes know. Story, he goes just crazy eventually. He goes crazy and runs for the wire, and he gets. I can't take it anymore. Gun. That's my dude, Scottish accent. That's, <laughs> God, <laughs> fucking help us, dude. It's almost as good as your blues accent. Fuck no, um, but. Uh, but I, I still don't know, like, that scene affects me a little bit every time oh, I really? see it, and I've seen it a lot. Yeah, and I feel for, even the Charles Bronson, I mean, if I can draw a parallel, I feel for Charles Bronson. I'm a little claustrophobic myself, but also, like, that that um, terror that he has yeah. in, in doing the thing that he does best. Yeah. And, and of course, Donald Pleasance, who deserves, mm-hmm. there's a whole speech about how he can't go because the problem with him is eventually... His eyes go shit. He goes blind. He's going blind. They go parachute. He's the forger. His eyes one, shit the bed. Yes. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. So his his eyes go bad. He's a forger. That's a problem. Yeah, but yeah, it's, but he's finishing his forgery work, so it's not a huge deal. Somehow it's swept under the rug. But the other problem is they're telling him like, well, you you're gonna fuck everything up mm-hmm. if you try to escape right. with us. And James Garner says he's coming with me. I'll be his eyes. Right. So so the whole. And I think he also makes the point that this thing is kind of half a joke, anyways. Like yeah. a lot of people are gonna get caught. That's they all kind of know that's going to happen. Okay, caught is well, well, that's a different story from what we're going to talk about later. Well, well, let me tell you. Well, so so you know, a lot of this film, the first like sixty percent at least, maybe seventy five percent, is about like the building the tunnels, mm-hmm. about um, about the, making preparations the, the super to get out. Genius with things they came up with, which to were get rid real. Of apparently, yeah. most of those things were genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, like air vent systems and right. lighting and timber. The little things in the pants, the little bags going down your trousers. You pull the pin, they come out of your, they come out of the box. Well, 
well, because they have to, as they're digging these tunnels, they have to remove the dirt and somehow get rid of it in a way that's not conspicuous. For right. Three tunnels, not just one. You'd imagine the Germans are like, God, this place is getting taller in the middle. Well, so that's, yeah, that's the <laughs> thing. A that was a there. real thing, apparently, was, was mm-hmm. these sort of pins that they, these like socks where they can sort of pull a pin and let um, dirt roll down their trousers and then yeah. someone would just sort of kick it into the dirt around the compound. Mm-hmm. So that was a real, all of those sort of inventions were, were Inge- real. Fucking ingenious shit they came up with. They, yeah. well, I mean, I mean they, they were forced necessity, the mother, right? of, the mother of necessity is ingenuity, right? Okay. Or is it the other way around? Yeah, I don't the other know. Way mother of uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Isn't that it? The mother of invention is the uh, is the father of uh, Dweezil's Zappa. Okay. Got it. Enough. Enough said. Anyway, so um, okay, so we get to watch these them you know overcoming these little obstacles as yep. they go along, and it's you know one of the tunnels gets found. Right. They're like fuck it. They put all their energy into another tunnel. Yep. They get it. They go crazy. They dig this fucking thing out. It's a it's a magnificent little tunnel, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they set the they set the escape night finally. Well, and part of the, the the sort of psychological process too is that what their u- escapes for them is just really something that is your duty, and it's, it's right. there to confound and fuck mm-hmm. up the enemy and use up their resources and so forth. Rarely, I think, has escape meant the real idea of getting home. Right. But if you are going ahead with a crazy fuck idea, like getting 250 men to escape one night, right. um, then all of a sudden it lights their hopes for getting home, for this being a real escape. Right, absolutely. Because it might be bigger than the Germans can handle, or blah, yeah. blah, or this, or that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, they... They go. do that. They escape. They escape-ish. Because, unfortunately, their, uh, their cartography is a little fucking off. They don't end up with the end of the tunnel being in the woods where they had planned it to be out. It's out like it's like thirty feet short of the woods. All due to basically w- out in the middle of the fucking field. One motherfucker who's the engineer. Uh, he, he he pulls them up short. It's like a limey con. He's a he, limey, isn't he? He's, he's also con- the he's one that, that fucks up the whole escape. It's the same guy. Yes. yes. I wonder if that was really one guy or if the, if people just involved are just <laughs> like let's create a character that's hateable. <laughs> let's just have one character to take all the hate on this. This guy thing. is fucking hateable yeah, for his yeah. his Dick you know for, yeah. It's incompetence. Incompetence. I, I want to say you. he's an Aussie or something. Who knows? But anyway. I don't know. But anyway, so um, basically um, they have to use rope mm-hmm. to sort of guide the, the guys out of the yeah, last they, 30 feet into the woods. Yeah, the they jury forest. rig a little system at the end there yep. to try to get them out there because there's a blackout because there's a, an air raid, which was happening a lot of the so time. So 76 men get out as they did in real life. Right. Sorry. Right. Not the full 250, but they get 76 which out Which is anyways, incredible for the Which time. is an incredible rat fuck. Of course, the Germans are losing their, are just lose their minds trying to find these guys. All of a sudden, I know you're in the middle of describing, all of a sudden I remember Victory, which is a movie I like, but how fucking bad is Victory. You remember with Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone, yeah. 1981? The, 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 the soccer team, the POW the general, soccer team? Yeah, yeah. Compared to this? Yeah. How bad is it compared to this? That's uh, how good this is. There's uh, another thing. It's, uh, speaking of like bad Polish accents, have yeah. you ever seen A Bridge Too Far? Yeah. Oh, what's it? I fucking, have you ever Gene, seen a fridge too Gene, far, Tom? No, I never have, actually. Okay, thank you. Gene Hackman's fucking Polish accent in that oh, movie no. is legendarily bad. Uh, okay. Anyways, so, so enough of that. Back to this. So, so basically, now once they're out, mm-hmm. they've done such careful preparation in terms of like uniform businessmen outfits. I mean, they're not they just even, running even wildly re- with their... Rehearsing lines and learning a little German. Language yeah. classes, mm-hmm. Italian, German mm-hmm. language classes. Run by, I should say, a Yiddish, guy named... that was a bad idea. A terrible idea. <laughs> Hebrew, oh, hey, what are you looking at, What are everyone? you, a sugar German? <laughs> so... Um, what fuck? Did we do that? They make their way out. 
<laughs> they make their way out of the town. And, and now it's about, obviously, you know, the, the German higher-ups and the local police all know, but, but they don't know what to look for because all these guys have well-forged documents, right. outfits. They've been taking language courses. Mm-hmm. They know the timetables for the trains. James, Co- James Coburn, for some reason, steals a bicycle. I never could figure that one out. What? Yeah, I'd like to point out he's one of the few that makes them all the way out, too. He is one of the few. Yeah, fortunately. Yeah, it's not bad. The ones who, who it's the ones who stare, who stray away from like public transportation, who seem to do better in this situation. It's sort of, except for James Garner, who does make it out, but Donald Pleasance, who doesn't for another reason. But mm. but the point is, yeah, okay, I give you that. But look, the reason that so few made it out is is a, a terrible part of this history, mm-hmm. which is that what they were just like all when they were rounded up, which most of them were. Fifty yeah. of them, fifty of them were rounded up. Oh, right, and right, then right. Summarily right. executed. Right, right. Which, which technically they right. could be because they were dressed in civilian clothing. Behind. Yeah, they could be spies. But basically, they could be considered spies for the purposes of it. Yeah, so oh, about fifty of them were shot. Cheating Nazis. Yeah, that's yeah the, cheating. those Nazis were poor sports. Who fucking knew? They were knew? poor sports. Who knew? Uh, God yeah, damn it. it! Yeah, you can't trust a Nazi. It's got a great look. It's it, this movie has. Um, like excitement, tension, <laughs> sadness, humor. Mm-hmm. It's got a great soundtrack. It's yeah. got a, a great bleedy Technicolor from 1963. Uh-huh. I love the color in this movie. Um, I, I believe this is the only film that I know of of this length from that time period. Any film two and a half hours or more from that time, from like 1950 to 1965, they, mm-hmm. they put a goddamn intermission in. Right, right. And this is the only one I'm aware of where there's no intermission. It's no longer than Bridge on the River Kwai. I think it's because no one would stand for all of a sudden just having to wait 10 minutes to come back to this film. And, it's and that more exciting. To the point, it's that good a goddamn movie. It's it holds good, together. It's, people. It's wall to wall, never stops. Nothing's wasted. Yep. Everything moves the movie forward. Yep. Everything is... Everything in the movie is at least entertaining. Oh yeah, going on in front of you, and then at the end, it's it, yeah, it's got all it's got all the spills and the thrills and the chills. It was a hard movie when I was a kid. This is something I learned later. I learned later on in life that um, to wait three years between like Goodfellas or Godfather mm. watchings, right? I did not learn another great escape. I watched it so many times, back to back, to over back. and over again. I loved this film. It yeah. seemed relevant. To my life somehow exuded cool. It, it was um, back when cool was the only fucking thing. It was the closest thing I had to a, a value. <laughs> Watching the Great Escape life. was our version of being cool. Oh yeah, kind of still is, frankly. Oh, it, it hasn't gotten any better. Yeah, is any? I mean, have we left anything out about this film? It's fucking great, man. That's no, great. Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Can't say enough about him. Yeah. Uh, shit, no. I think kind of covered just most of watch it. it it's just such. It it's, quit being bitches. <laughs> it's it's, just get stitches. They don't watch this. It's such a. Uh, I'm trying to just move past. <laughs> have it. a have like a sentence, Joe. Lucas Finish a sentence, buddy. Um, it's just it's so crazy. It's in the canon, you know, like broadly speaking, of like films that people know and love. Right and now, you say it's not in your top ten anymore. Where would you put it though? I don't even I keep know. it in my top twenty-five. I guess I would put it in my top twenty-five it's, still. Yeah. Okay, it's now here's so the thing: is enjoyable. it great movie making? Um, I would say in many tactical levels it is. I think it's super competent. I don't know. Yeah, not in an aesthetic sense. It's, in yeah. a competence way, it really is. Definitely. But much more than that, it's got that other thing that movies also should have, which is it's just crazy enjoyable. You could just watch the fuck it out is. of it. It just it has is. that. It's, yeah. And it's got rewatchability like a mofo. Yeah. All right. All right, my friend. Any... Um, 
Any it's business? no Twilight to be sure, but oh, it's okay. really great. Is there any any business you have, Tony? Um, go check me out. Uh, I've got TomSmithComedy.com. Mm-hmm. I, I put up uh, shows. Mm-hmm. Shows have been going pretty good lately. I have to say, I'm very pleased with that. Not very to, nice. Not to blow my own drum or beat my own horn. Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, that's been going great. So and. We got Patreon. Well, join, okay. us so Patreon join us on the Patreon, everybody. We finally got uh, the fin- the Finley's Fine Reserve. That's all set up. Yeah. That's 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 well, it's more than set go. up. I mean, we already have a reserve of episodes, and we're pumping them out at mm-hmm. least once every two weeks. So you know, you're always going to get a free episode from us every single week. But if you join at the five dollar or more per month mm-hmm. level, which is what. A- Two cups of coffee a That's month. A, two cups of two cups of coffee, maybe four shitty cups of coffee. Yeah, All four right? shitty cups of coffee a month, and you get two, at least two. Frankly, we're we're going such gangbusters. I can imagine us doing more than two yeah. uh, uh, reserves, but we're committed to two for oh, sure. Yeah, at least two per month. Yeah. So join us there. Rate and review us on iTunes, mm-hmm. and um, you know, go watch the Great Escape. Fuck yeah. Mm. Fuck yeah.